The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our DC. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Boston Podcast, the only independent Monday through Friday daily podcast in our city where we tell the stories of your city. And when I say the Boston podcast, it is apropos because I have sitting with me here my friend Molly Rose Tarpy, who happens to be a huge fan of the... Yep. Finish it. The Ohio State University. There we go. (laughs) So, Molly, shout out. Shout out to OSU. Now, I forget, did you... Is that where you went to school? Or, you, or I know you grew up in Ohio. It is. So I grew up there. So I was bred to be a fan from the get-go. But yes, I did graduate from the Ohio the State Ohio. University. Now, now, once and for all, why? Why the Ohio State? There's only one. There's no, are, you, are we confusing it with uh, Ohio, the, uh, well, there, there's there is OU. Ohio, OU, Ohio University. Yeah, so right? there is OU. And I guess it's, I mean, because it's almost like the professional sport that Ohioans have to root for. They're uh, more popular than the Browns, the Bengals, yep. the Calves. So you heard her. She just admitted that they, <laughs> you pay, they pay their players at OSU. <laughs> you said professional. I heard you. Basically. I heard you. Professional. Oh, sorry. See, this is the problem. Okay, see, I just hit the wrong button and played the wrong, wrong sound effect, which prompts me to update everyone on my eye infection, because I know you're worried, listeners. This has been the cri- there have been two crises this this week here, uh, Molly, to update you. One, of course, is our beloved uh, Big Poppy, whose voice you hear in my show open, was shot in the back by some fucking loser, horrible hitman, uh, coward in the Dominican, and we hear he's recovering. Have you heard anything different? No, I've just heard more about the backstory. You have heard why. more about the backstory. Well, I've heard. I mean. Well, there's a theory. I'm not one to perpetuate rumors. I yes. don't like pying into, you know, those stupid sites. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I did also repeat what I heard to a few people. Okay. Well, <laughs> first, uh, by the way, before we get there, I didn't tell you about how impressive Molly is. Molly and I, um, we met on a beach on a tropical island. No, that's not exactly true. But it, but if I told you the real story how we meet, it would be eh, not that exciting, but just completely random. We, we, we actually met in the fair city of Las Vegas. We had common friends. We started talking. Nothing happened. I swear. I'm older than she is, so that it wasn't in the cards anyway. I don't think. But anyway, the point is, we kept in touch just because we kind of had a few common interests. Molly moved to Boston about seven years ago, or something. Yeah, seven years ago, and you were instrumental in helping me with that. Don't be. He was extremely kind and took time out of his day to help introduce me to people to because obviously nowadays getting a job is 90% networking mm-hmm. 10% experience or skill and you took like a week and introduced mm-hmm. me to people in all different in- industries and it was longest extremely week, helpful longest week of my life oh I my don't God, doubt it this girl <laughs> going on and on Ugh. no I'm just kidding it was my pleasure uh, she said you know I said if you wanted me to introduce you you do that thing where you're like hey you're coming up to Boston looking for a job. If you want me to introduce you to, to a few people, look me up and I will. And the nerve of this woman, she actually said yes. <laughs> Who takes you up on an well, offer like that? Don't you, you know, don't you know an empty gesture when you hear it? <laughs> Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. It was actually and it was fun and we you know, we had lunch a couple of days and shot the breeze and I introduced you to a few people and yeah. maybe I kinda got you rolling. I didn't it was not magical, you believe did. me. I mean, but, none of them panned out as right, jobs, but right. you know what? I, I got to meet a bunch of people and make a bunch of connections yes. and ended up moving here anyways. Cool. Well, we welcome you here uh, with open arms, even though you're a New York Giants fan, among other things. But what I was going to say oh, was, that is, we may get to that. That is the weekend that I moved here, actually. Was the second, second oh. time the Giants beat <laughs> the Patriots. That was that was on a Sunday, so I think I I moved here what that friday okay. so that was my first weekend living here and i'm up doing the uh cruise salsa dance in the middle of the bar and i've never seen so many angry boston fans oh. in my life yeah you were doing the uh 
crew, the the dude that went to UMass. What was his name? Yeah, wasn't the, that Cruz? Cruz? No, uh, I forget his name. He definitely was. I'm blanking because he's yeah, been I am gone. Too. Yeah, well, yeah, he he had like a couple of seasons where he was awesome, and then he kind of uh, yeah, his cha cha dance that he would do in the end zone. Yeah, we'll look it up. <laughs> but but I have an interesting story about that. Uh, that particular uh, uh, World Series. Duh. Jesus, it must. I need more coffee. That Super Bowl. So you're talking about the second one where. The second Where beating. your boy uh, Manningham made that sick catch on the on the sidelines, right? Yeah. Um, it was. That was the one where they beat. Where. It, I mean, obviously, it was, it was a good beat, but it wasn't close. The first one was when Tyree had that awesome. I know catch what happened in the first one. Just to remind you all. By the way, yes, it was Victor. The Bruton. most exciting Super Bowl ever, it, arguably. Uh, yeah, well, I would. Uh, I'll argue you for the next three hours if you would like. <laughs> I would not use the word exciting. Oh well, I mean, it was. Uh, it it was shocking. You know what it was? It was just karma uh, biting us in the ass for us beating the Rams because we had beat the Rams. Greatest show on turf. Kurt Warner, uh, thirteen and a half point favorites, and we beat him. And Vinatieri goes down, kicks a field goal, and it's fucking miraculous. First Super Bowl we ever won, and then. Excuse me. Here we are, nineteen and zero, or was it nineteen and zero? You were undefeated. It undefeated. was the undefeated 0, 19 year. 0, whatever. Yeah. And obviously, we all know the story and Tyree with the stupid catch. And um, I got my shirt that said what? Eighteen wins and one giant loss. Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> hey, it's it's part of our history, but the rest of our history is is pretty freaking good. And uh, well, actually, we since we're on the subject, two funny things. One. I'll never forget. It, it actually made me laugh. Anytime the stupid Tyree catch comes up, all of us Boston fans, it, it's like a it's someone like punching us in the abdomen. Yeah. But there was one really funny thing. I want to say it was Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake. I don't know what which show they did the bit on, but they were pretending to kind of relive famous f- sports moments, and they were two do du- they were pretending to be just two dudes on the sidelines uh, at the Super Bowl. And I guess like attendance and one of them's chewing gum and like Jimmy Fallon is like, hey, um, uh, geez, I got to spit out my gum someplace. And like JT says, I'll just put it on this guy's helmet. It doesn't matter. He never plays. So he takes the gum out. He puts it on the helmet. And, you know, someone pretending to be Tyree comes over, scoops the helmet up. Yeah, and, and, goes- and that's why. That's why it was the gum. But so you arrived in Boston um, for that second one, where exactly were you doing this Victor Cruz salsa dance? I think I was at like a bar. Or? Yeah, tits. Isn't that was <laughs> tavern in the square. That's hey, I that's what I was taught. It was called when I moved here, yeah, so it cool. stuck with me. You had me at tits. The one in because um, I stayed in okay. Brighton, so it was uh-huh. the one that was over on like the Brighton Austin line, I think. And you were brave enough oh. to celebrate. Wow. Oh, I put it in all their faces. See. Being a cute girl lets you get away with a lot. So you're so. Uh, I'm also anyway. an asshole, so that that <laughs> helps too. Yeah, yeah, but I'm surprised you got out of there alive. My story for that one was, I was working for. We were just talking about this. I was working for Bernstein, as financial firm, and I needed to be in New York for kind of this big ass training session, like convention they were having from people coming all across the country, and so. And I like these things, so I like I like going to New York for travel and everything. But I noticed the welcome reception was a particular Sunday afternoon. And I look at it, I go, is that Super Bowl Sunday? And so the woman who organized it, I happened to know her. And I, I, as soon as I saw the email, I called her up. I go, you know you scheduled the welcome reception right in the middle of the Super Bowl? And she said... Oh shit! Oh my and god! So then, then, a, then a follow up. And there's people coming from across the country. And, yeah. And this is before we know who's in the Super Bowl. And so a, a follow up email comes and says, "By the way, the welcome reception will be a Super Bowl party, and so we're gonna have a Super Bowl viewing party and root on the whoever team is in the whatever." Mm-hmm. So as soon as that, this is before the playoffs started. As soon as I saw that, I was like, "I know exactly what's gonna happen. It's gonna be the Patriots and the Giants. I'm gonna be in New York, and I'm gonna be in hell, and it's gonna be just like." Like the, and sure enough, that's crazy that <laughs> that happened. That yeah. you were there, for, so you had to in be the, in New York for it. Yeah, in the in the some point in the first half, I want to say, like a a giant player fumbled, and uh, and I was like, you know, it's like we're gonna get it, and I think the giant player re- recovered it, and I got so pissed, I slammed my fist down on a on a high top table, and a, a drink 
<laughs> tipped over and there's all these important Bernstein people are there and I'm like a relatively new employee <laughs> and they look right at me and I'm like, I better go. I went, yeah. I went. I'm going to remove myself. Second half in my hotel room watching by myself. And Did you ult- really? Ultimately oh, in misery. Sucks. Oh, I can't. I, I mean, I can't. I mean, I mean, think of that. I, I, I was, it, it was potentially a career ending situation. So yeah, so, <laughs> I could I could see that actually. Yeah. <laughs> so it has taken this long in the program for me to tell you what Molly does because she's super impressive and she has uh, made it very nicely in the city as far as I can see. And she's the communications director, communications yep, director, communications director for Congressman Stephen Lynch, who is uh, one of our most venerable. Congress. Do you know how long he's been in office? He's a good one. Yeah. I should for my job. Yes, okay. since two thousand one. <laughs> since two thousand one. So, I, so, and you know, where does that rank him among our? Uh, do you know among our Congress? Um. Well, he's con- chairman of the National Security Subcommittee. I mean, r- so see, she's Richie good. Neal. She didn't know. She didn't know the answer to the question, so she answered a different question. <laughs> that's what a commute. That's what you got to do. You got to spin. <laughs> Richie Neal is chairman. Yep. Uh, is Ways and Means. Um, but I. I mean, if you're talking about length of time, Lynch, I think, is Is right after. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because um, Capuano, he was a senior rep, and obviously he lost to Ayanna Presley, yes. Yeah, that was like 12 years too late for me because he ran against my Aunt Margie Claprude. Shout out, Aunt Marge. I love you. He, she was in a race that ultimately won by Capuano, but they were like... Oh, interesting. Yeah, they were like eight... Um, Democrats in the primary, and so it was for the for the congressional seat. Or y- you're yeah. talking about? Oh, no, for the congressional seat that because that was Joe Kennedy's seat, if I if I'm not mistaken. That and Joe announced he was stepping down, and so mm-hmm. Marge, being the bleeding heart liberal, um, and one time you know really strong voice in the in the state uh, House of Representatives. Um, she's like, we got to run, we got to run. So she jumps in the race and, along with like 10 other people and ultimately Capuano wins. Uh, so politics you know, is in your blood. Cool I game. didn't know that it oh, was yeah. in your family. Well, I knew Big you time. were a yeah. moderator. but Yeah, yeah that, that, that's as far as I got in formally into politics, being uh, town, mod- town moderator for the town, the Sharon, the uh, historic town, which reminds me, you told me something funny before we started that, you know, when you came on... Um, to start working for Congressman Lynch, you kind of fed, not don't let me put words in your mouth, but you sort of discovered that um, you're, you would be perhaps comically working alongside a lot of natives of Boston and, you know, a lot of, I don't want to say uh, grumpy men or something, but the old, the old God of politics here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. <laughs> and here's Molly, you know. Love just, that Boston uh, accent. Yeah. Love so it. So I think your job interview must have went... Uh, Something. Oh, I have a great story from my job interview for the Boston accent. So I was speaking, I was um, speaking with our district director and he was explaining all the different parts of the job, what they do, all the different agencies that they work with. Mm -hmm. And I had been living in Boston uh, for several years at that point. So Mm -hmm. I have grown accustomed to the Boston accent and kind of, and know how you guys will add R's on certain words and then drop them from others. And so I've just kind of learned to translate in my head, if Mm -hmm. you will. And he was talking to me about working with FEMA, which, duh, we we all know what FEMA is. But in my head, I heard that word as the Boston accent version and thought he, in my mind, meant femur <laughs> and dropped the R. So I'm thinking, I, so I'm, I swear FEMA. to God, so this whole time I'm thinking, what federal agency is femur? Right. And I asked someone and they said, you mean FEMA? And I said, well, yeah, FEMA. So, oh, he actually meant FEMA. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't saying femur and just dropped the R. Yeah. <laughs> so that is so, so every funny. day I am I'm <laughs> yeah. It reminds me when I worked for Lawyers Weekly, I did a very a very brief item I wrote about this this Boston lawyer who's, who was um, kind of a famous lawyer, Mike Moan, good guy, and he had bought a new car, <clears throat> and he it was one of these where he was it was a voice activated car. I don't even know if they do this anymore. Probably it's not uh, not even worth it. But he would. He, so when you said start, the car was supposed to start. You get into the car, <laughs> and instead of turning the key, you just say start. And so it wasn't working at all. And so he goes to the dealership, and the guy goes, "All right, show me what happens when you say." And he gets to the car. He goes, "Start, start, start." <laughs> yeah. And the and the de- the guy looks at him, and he goes. 
start, and the car starts up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. There you go. FEMA. I've grown to love it. Oh, yeah, my God. FEMA. Ma- well, you know, I uh, fractured my FEMA. Uh, exactly. The other day and, uh, that is what I was thinking. I had thinking. to go to Mass General. They took care of me very nicely. <laughs> yeah. So and I'm walk- awful at doing a Boston accent, too. Yeah. Well, Even living here and hearing it for this long still, I, I just, I'm not. It's, I don't think it, you have to be embedded for a while in order to do a good one. And that's why in, Holly- mm-hmm. in Hollywood, this is a big thing with me because it, it doesn't matter to the average person that in Goodwill Hunting, um, Robin Williams cannot do a Boston accent to save his life. And it sounds so forced. It's like, oh, thank you. I got your card. And, or Alec Baldwin in The, the Departed. Well, well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. It just so forced. And then you get Damon and Affleck, who just nail it. You know, you, you know, Will, you know what's the best part of my fucking day? When you pull up and, uh, you know, on the weekends, we're getting ready to go watch the Pats and everything. But one day I pull up and you're just not fucking there. No goodbye. No see you later. Just See, that sounds you. natural, you That's saying right. that. If I were to try, just because, yeah, knowing that. Yeah, so... so we adore that you appreciate the Boston accent, but I do. but but you know it's it's but tread carefully if you're going to do a phony one because that no one can do it like uh, the, the these are actors Martin Sheen and the Accused oh god so bad well did you watch Thirty Rock yeah uh, a little kind of so in and out did you catch it when um what's the redhead Julie Julianne Moore she played Alec yes. Baldwin's girlfriend from Boston so correct me if I'm wrong yeah. she was supposed to intentionally have an awful Boston accent because Tina Fey, I think even like mentioned one time, like, well, that's what they all sound like to me. So, but if she wasn't supposed to have it be that bad, that is hands down the worst Boston accent attempt uh, made by any actor. Uh, Well, uh, she has plenty of competition, but um, yeah, I don't know. That's funny. Um, My, by the way, my friend, Maddie Blake, who does the Monsterland podcast here, pod six, one, seven, he had a cameo on um, 30 Rock as like a local TV guy who did, yeah, I do the I do the Bruins update every Sunday or something like that. And Oh, yeah, and when they go to Boston. It. for yeah. I remember that episode. Yeah, that was my friend Maddie Blake. Um, now I can play a clip for you in 30 Rock after YouTube does its stupid thing where I have to watch the ad. <laughs> um, let's see. This is, a, this is an ad for, uh, no, I don't know. Anyway, so you work, um, it, you work, and you don't have a problem working along uh, side people like uh, I just imagine your first day was like Molly I want you to meet Paul Fitzgerald and uh, over there is uh, Dan Connolly his uh, sister Sarah works I downstairs love it. I love working and meeting people from all different walks of life all different characters personalities I I would rather surround myself with different diverse people than be in a room yep. with all you know what I mean cookie cutter yeah well, let's see cookie how- cutter short girls from the Midwest, or like as me. We would say, uh, "Oh, you're not cookie cutter. <laughs> you're you're uh, salt of the earth." Let's listen to Julianne Moore. Uh, Nancy, I'm sorry, the audio's bad. Jonathan, why do I have an Indian assistant if my computer is always? Jack, I'm messing with you. Oh, very funny, Donna. The- oh, the computer froze. Yeah, not good. Not good. Nice. Need a little more. So. uh tired of waking up to a porch full of dead squirrels oh god right no, you're fired i think it's Terrible. supposed to be intentional that's why i'm saying i th- i think it's but supposed she, to be bad but she's supposed to be from boston in the yeah show. but tina fey makes some comments yeah. somewhere about how it all that's how it all sounds oh, so to it was her. like a meta thing i think so okay i hope so like i said if not that is the worst <laughs> i don't disagree with you. Although <clears throat> the only nominee would be Jeff Bridges in the movie Blown Away, which was a, 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 kind of a weird movie because he's supposed to be from Boston. He's a firefighter, and he can't he can't handle the accent. And then at one point, it, it turns out he's he's from Ireland. He's got this background, like he's actually fresh off the boat, and so he starts talking in an Irish brogue, and then you can't tell he's stuck in between. Huh. So it, it's it hurts the ears. Uh, in a moment, uh, Molly and I are going, well, we have a lot to cover still, Molly, here. So uh, pull up a chair, everyone. But later, <laughs> when we're going to get into, we're going to play good stuff, and we're going to tell you everything you need to know about The Handmaid's Tale and its place in popular culture, and Molly has lots of thoughts. 
But before we do that, let me take a minute to tell you about what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast, kids? Well, the Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you, whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, whether you're a lawyer, a clerk of the courts, or someone who's been working for the Middlesex Bar Association for 17 years down the... Molly, you're not digging this part of the... I was doing it for you. Oh, God. She wasn't paying attention. Uh, my... <laughs> See, you don't, ADD e- you don't even notice. There. You don't even notice when someone goes into the old guy, the old guy to the Boston accent, like the Kennedys and and all the people who have spent their life in public service. By the way, a good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If you're a prospective client and you hear a podcast through your earbuds, then your podcaster is literally in your head. Do you understand that? It's a play on words. <clears throat> Now I'm becoming Juliet Moore. As I was saying, go to pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to all the great stuff we have. We have uh, the Bitchless Bride podcast. That's freaking hilarious. Uh, there's a show called Are You Not Entertained featuring my buddy Ed Nathanson. There's a new one we got up there called Twin XL, which is by my friends Laura and Beth. And they talk about the college planning process. If you're a uh, parent of a college-bound kid, you absolutely have to listen to their expertise on it. Be part of the pod revolution, kids. Come visit us here at our Westwood Studios. Isn't it nice here, Molly? It is. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> ADD. Sorry, yeah, I, I was looking you, at something on the wall you over lo- there. You look, you look <laughs> well, because it's such a nice studio, right? Exactly. But it's, it's, we're not done furnishing it, by the way, but we're getting there. Yeah, you're, you looked like a, a squirrel that just got distracted. <laughs> and it was like, huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, as I was saying, be part, of, be part of the pod. Be part of the pod revolution, people. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. Oh, that's the good stuff. Molly's dancing a little. You're kind of bopping. Maybe <laughs> I bop. Strong. You bop. I'm told I bop. Right. So Molly said, let's talk about The Handmaid's Tale. Or she said, well, I'm watching, I only watch dark and disturbing TV. Yeah. And- he asked about any good shows <laughs> right. that I'm into for the good stuff and feel yeah. good. I said, well, I mean, all I watch are murder, mystery. That's okay. The other, know, the, other day, the other day we were talking about Chernobyl. It's a real uplifting Ooh, show. But really I good am though. a couple episodes. I know it's only, what, like five episodes? Five, I think yeah. I'm three episodes in. Yeah. Two or three. The fourth. Ooh, that is, that makes, they have done such a good job with that yeah. show. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting radiation poisoning yeah. watching it on the <laughs> I couch. Know. I honestly do. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, it is extremely disturbing I know I heard someone on a podcast say I, I made myself this like lovely pasta dish and then I went down I went and I looked looking forward to eating and watching TV and realized I had picked the wrong TV show <laughs> oh, <laughs> like yeah. you don't want to be eating pasta while you're watching you can't eat any food flesh. Yeah. oh yeah by the way just so you know and others who are in the middle of Chernobyl um by the time I got to episode four, I was like, well, I, I think I kind of get it now. I get the whole thing. But episode five is might even be the best. So I, yeah. I read something, and I yeah. didn't read too much because I didn't want to spoil, but I read that there's, it's the series finale, right? Because it's, yeah. it's a miniseries, it, that yeah. it could be up for an Emmy. It yeah. was like one of those finales that just blew everyone away. Yeah. Now, did you watch Mad Men? No. Oh, okay. Then I can't ask you what I need to ask you because you need to go back and watch the whole match. I do. Well, I guy, hear it's good. It's lead, on my list. The lead guy, the scientist, I don't know the actor's name. The the main guy in Chernobyl, you know, the British guy. Oh, well, yeah. All British, mm-hmm. I guess. But the yeah. scientist guy. He plays a role in Mad Men that has kind of an eerie similarity to the character he plays in Chernobyl. But um, so... Uh, Go do Mad Men yeah. and report back. I need another. Okay. I need another show. But we're talking about The Handmaid's Tale, so let's listen to at least part of the trailer for season three. Here it is. Heresy. That's what you get punished for. No! Not for being part of the resistance. Because officially, there is no resistance. Not for helping people escape. Because officially, There's no such thing as escape. You working hard? Yes. That's Bradley Whitford I'm going to from the West Wing. Things, her new commander. That's the guy, yeah, right, her new commander. I'm going to need allies. Allies with power. Blessed be the fruit. Hi. <laughs> oh, uh, this gives me the chills. I got the yeah, chills too. Yeah. Oh. 
All right. Well, we can bring the volume down here a little bit. But um, so if you've uh, never seen The Handmaid's Tale, I'm afraid this is the spoiler alert, right? Because we're going to talk about what's happened so yeah, far. Yeah, well, we're and on where it's season three, on so season it's kind of hard. Yeah, so get to on the talk stick, people. But so she has. So what's her name? June? Jane? June. June. Is that right? June's her real name, but now she's oh. what? Off of Joseph? Yeah. <laughs> Right, because, because it's of whatever the man's name have, is that yeah. they live with. So just well, quickly, we'll say if you've never seen the show, it takes place in the in the not too distant future, right? Where America has been, how would you say it? Uh, just kind of locked down into into kind of martial law, where and it is just a dystopian world where women. It's like a Pence Disneyland. It's a. <laughs> 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 women are have been you know proclaimed you know officially and by the letter of the law um you know um subservient to men and they i guess they only have um you know a couple of purposes one is if they're fertile which are few and far between i guess because there's been some virus or something. I forget what happened. Yeah, I forget what caused the the human race to get to this point. But the whole, yeah, the premise is like it comes from fertility started being an option, so they couldn't procreate. So there's only a certain number of women who are able to successfully have healthy yeah. babies. So what do you remember in starting to watch the show where the first moment where you were like, oh, shit, this is what it's about? Or was it just kind of like... It was probably immediately. I mean, that yeah. uh, Elizabeth Moss is so good in this. The, yeah. She plays the main character. It yeah. It's just... I mean, it's heavy from the get-go. She is... Uh, talk about like a, a, a hot streak. I, I don't know how old Elizabeth Moss is, but um, still young, obviously, to me anyway. Oh, yeah. And she's now got two of the most iconic TV roles under her belt. This one's still going, but um, she was in Mad Men. She was kind of... Kind of the... the Mad Men kind of followed... Uh, Peggy's right. Did, I already asked you. You didn't see Mad Men. Yeah, so she was. Elizabeth Moss was in it too, right? Mad Men. That's is what, what I'm saying. She's, yeah. yeah, she was. She played Peggy, the central character, and it was kind of the rise of the female professional and struggle of the female professional in the '60s. But this one, it's mind blowing. And what I was, I was trying to ask a leading question. I guess the the first moment where I was like, "Holy shit, this is happening." Was this was the the first scene where there is the way that they impregnate these handmaids is through this creepy ceremony? Yeah, where, that's burned in my brain. Yeah. I guess that's probably everyone that was. Ugh. And so you're basically witnessing rape. Uh, it's that that I guess goes without saying. But these these handmaids are confined to a life of wearing these little nun looking things, and then when the time is right, the. Uh, the woman of the house, uh, you know, prepares the bedroom. Now, the woman of the house is is barren. She can't bear fruit, right? Mm-hmm. But we need to give her a baby. So the handmaid serves as a surrogate. And then here comes the commander and has to get a boner. And, yeah. <laughs> and they all kind of sit there like it's normal. And you see the look on the handmaid's face, and it's terrifying right and then oh yeah and another like side story that they brought into that is because even though that is what the idea is that the um so there's the commander and his wife and that the wife is barren and can't have children and then you come to find out that half 50 50 shot is it's the man who right is what's the word for men uh sterile, sterile yeah who's sterile yeah. and is the one who can't you yeah. know yeah. produce a child yeah which is and the whole thing is is not i mean we're not close to this world now but uh, but a lot of the themes in the show are sadly recognizable right oh yeah all too much well all the different policies that are happening and what we're seeing in states well we i like to call massachusetts uh, we live in a nice blue bubble yeah as awful as trump is and everything's going on in the country we truly are all of our members of congress are um democrats Right. I mean, our only Republican is uh, in like power is is Baker, and yep. he will even call himself a Democratic Republican. I mean, he you know he. Yeah, I've met him a few times. We have common friends, and he's he's hardly a hardcore. Exactly. Uh, well, he's right wing guy. He is what the majority of people in this country, I think, are. He's he's uh, liberal socially and mm-hmm. conservative fiscally, mm-hmm. which there's. Yeah. That I think a lot of people are okay. Even the people who are like on the extreme left, I think they could say that, yeah, that sounds yeah. reasonable. But I, think, I mean, I think we, I voted for him. I think he's the only Republican I've ever voted for. 
Anyway, what? he saying. we live in a blue bubble here, so yeah. we've got Austin, Brooklyn. We've got yeah. my God. I mean, <laughs> yeah. so we've got states. God, my stupid hometown of Ohio, who mm. are trying to go the other way and ban all abortions, and we're we've got our state house. I think they're arguing. Um, a bill to go the other way. Yeah. I mean, so we we are lucky here in Massachusetts, but the rest of the country, this is Missouri only has one clinic that yeah. is, um, what, it, like... Um, that is allowed like, like, to... Yeah, allowed whatever they're... Um, certified. Legal, whatever, certified, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. To give abortions. Mm-hmm. Which is absurd. That's it. I can't imagine if I lived in Missouri... Well, I just can't. I, we're glad you don't. I know. Me too. You 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 have a lot of Massachusetts uh, like traits running through you. Like I have so, East, so yeah, you, you know, East Coast. I don't traits. know where it comes it's, from. Well, but, my dad is from yeah. New York. Oh, okay. And grew up. Yeah. See, so go. I've got yeah, I've got East Coast yeah, in my you, blood. <laughs> yeah, you got that sort of uh, passionate liberal streak, which we appreciate here in, in Boston. <laughs> yeah. Most of us, and anyway. I appreciate it as well. Yes. But that's why, yeah. So it's like we're you know we're good here in Massachusetts, but the Handmaid's Tale. I don't know if I could watch this if I lived in Alabama, Missouri. Louisiana. I mean, God, I, it's awful now that I could probably list another seven states that have gone and yeah. restricted. And you and I talked about this before we started recording, but The Handmaid's Tale has become this, uh, I think I'm stealing from Stephen Colbert, but it's become this social touchstone uh, symbol. Uh, so like the the some of the protests against these states putting in the restrictive um, abortion laws the protests have featured women showing up in these in these handmade uh, mm-hmm. in their their bright red and everything, but um, so other than uh, June, who do you like in the show, or who do you hate the most? Whatever, like what characters stick out to you? Ooh, hmm. I like. Well, it's I like watching what they've done with. I mean, spoiler alert here to anyone, obviously, yeah, lots of spoilers. who hasn't watched it. But I like seeing what they've done with Serena. Which one's the, So she's the um, her original commander's wife, and remember oh, how yeah. awful yeah. she was in the get, in the beginning. She was like instrumental in creating this world because right. she was one of the few females who um, who was basically supported it. Yeah. And then she, you know, took in June and wanted her to have her baby. But she, her character has developed a lot. Yeah, and, very complex. I mean, can I do so? I hate I hate saying. Sp- like giving spoilers. So but this is season three spoiler coming up. What yeah. you're going to talk about the her, well, it's bur- like, her it's burning the, the house down. It's actually all season. Well, you then you just spoiled. I just <laughs> I said it. She goes. She goes from being this woman that you just want to kill. Yeah. To it looks like she's going to be an ally for yeah, June. She so she yeah. completely you know changes going down the road which so that's kind of nice to see yeah but everyone i just want to cut all the men's dicks off <laughs> all of them that's i hate all of them uh, I, I just <laughs> all. cringed in my seat a little bit because i'm a male for but her yes. new commander because he's the one who helped yes her friend escape with her baby so. yes this is the one played by brad yes. whitford who if you don't know who that is you you do know who he is because he was in the west wing for a long time and he's but he's been in like everything i mean he was in like billy madison and all the way up to get out he was the he's the creepy dad in get out who pretends <gasps> to be so like pro and like i, I would have voted for obama for a third term you know yeah and, and turns out he's secretly a horrible racist oh um, i forgot yeah he was him. in that sure. that's what yeah so he, he's, I'm he's enjoying a good guy him so, yeah, he's well a good guy. he's like but he's weirdly, a complex yeah, good guy. Intense. And yeah. I like all the different layers they have because some stuff he said, you kind of then question what side he's really on. Yeah. But he makes you think about all these different policies and how they're implementing these different rituals into this new life. And yeah. I don't know. He's just, he's interesting. What was your reaction to the episode where an injured woman comes into the home and Elizabeth Moss' character has to try to save her and she de- you saw the whole thing right I'm yeah not spoiling it for you am i oh no no and then and then elizabeth moth has a basically a dead a dead she wasn't a handmaid she was a martha i guess right or whatever oh yeah well that i'm sm- i'm giving you that look because yeah. i i would have 
I would have killed her myself because she wouldn't shut up. If, if that's the thing, if you're <laughs> as that was happening, I, so w- yeah. what? Yeah, what Molly's referring to is there's a, there's this scene, and again, it's huge spoiler alert. So hopefully you've you've seen it if you're listening to us. But this woman who was trying to escape this horrible world. Uh, something goes wrong and she gets shot. We don't see her get shot, right? She no, just, we yeah. just see her being brought in that she's injured and they right. and they take her to the basement because they they want to save her, obviously. But yep. then they have um, the cops arrive at the house, so obviously they don't want to, you know, get caught or, yeah. or hell ruin it for for anyone else that this right. guy could save. So she's in the basement and she starts like you know moaning and screaming and I that. It yeah. would have. It would have ruined. I mean, it would have ruined it for anyone else that he yeah, could like have saved. It, it had to be one of the casualties of their fight, the handmaids and the uh, the resistance. And, and it was her fault. If she couldn't keep her mouth shut, I don't care how badly you're in pain. She's got a gunshot wound. Yeah, but she was whimpering. She <laughs> she started getting louder. If she couldn't grasp the situation yeah. that she needed to be quiet, then yeah. As I was watching it, I said, uh, yeah. I said she's gonna kill her. That I thought Elizabeth Moss was gonna kill her. I thought um, so too. I don't think she did though. No, she I think just. Quieted her, quieted her and, and she she died, died on yeah. blood out probably. It's a really uplifting show. It's I know <laughs> it's a feel good. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, but watch it if you haven't, and if you have, or watch don't, it with or lots of wine and we, chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably the good stuff to to counter to, to counterbalance. Yeah, yeah. Oh but, god. I mean, such such a great show and such. Um, and it's just it's just cool that this new era of television where you can stream everything and do everything. I mean, to me, the fact that uh, a platform like Hulu has a show like this is just a kind of a good result of the crazy competition of like you know between Netflix and Amazon putting out all this. They you, all have great original series. Yeah. All three of them. I've got you know I'm doing the thing everyone else does. I pay for one of them. My dad pays for another. My sister another. So we yeah. get them all. <laughs> And they <laughs> Who's, whose password do we yeah. use for this one? Yep, I forget. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which my father is so has been just elated since I got HBO yeah. now. I think it is instead of go, whatever it is. I know that's confusing. Because to me, yeah. he's obsessed with Deadwood. Oh, and the Deadwood movie is coming so out. That, well, that uh, trust me, right? I know. Every time I talk to every Whoa. time I talk to the man, he's yep. talking about Deadwood now. Right. But I've never I'm all about HBO for Veep. Oh, oh my god! My god! All right, let's before we Favorite go, Molly. Show. This could be a whole other podcast. I and, know. <laughs> uh, we, we're going to have to close out the show in about five or ten minutes. But yes, you've you've hit um, uh, one of my most beloved shows. Although I have a bone to pick with with Veep, and I want to hear. So you saw the whole thing? Yes. Whole okay. Thing. So and, and like three or four times over. <laughs> okay. So tell me, <laughs> yeah, tell me why why it's so good. First of all, because I want to hear what you what you. Th- well, first of all, from I think I actually tweeted this out. I'm not really big on Twitter. I kind of I hate Twitter. Okay. I just kind of have it because it's obviously it so smart either. for my my job, and it right. is good way to get immediate information. Obviously, yep. but um, I think I tweeted out Veep is like free therapy for congressional staff. Oh yeah, it's, you're the perfect person to ask about this. Jeez, why didn't I? Why didn't I think of this until it now? Just, Go ahead. It just gets it and. It, but please and there's tell so me. much truth to it that really? he, like like the episode where she's <laughs> and Julia Louis Dreyfus. Not only is she like an absolute idol of mine, she plays like if you think she's good and all the other things she's been amazing at, the way that she plays this character so perfectly. There's just oh, it's a new level. Yep. It's like it's like Steve Carell as Michael Scott. Yep. It, it, that Very is the good. that's the only yep. that's the only thing you can compare it to. She just but it's good. You, that's good because because like like. The Office, Veep has this uh, cavalcade of stars. It's this cast, this ensemble cast, and they're all great. They're exactly. all great. But you couldn't do it without uh, yes, Julia. Yes, because she you just, couldn't. and I'll never, for, and maybe it's just my, the position I have as communications director when she's Oh, standing. you're Mike McClintock. You're <laughs> am, Mike McClintock. I'm, I'm so a funny. McClintock. You're yes. McClintock. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I am. And I'm always eating just like him. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's dead on. Oh, I love it. So when she's standing up there, I think it's to give her state of the union. Right. And, um, and she goes to talk and all of a sudden the screen goes, goes blank. blank. Yeah. And there's, great. I mean, just obviously that, doesn't happen but the scramble to yeah. it, it stuff truly does go down to the last second and and they they turn that into such great comedy yep. with it's just so yeah. <laughs> real and true who's your favorite besides uh besides julia besides selena oh i'm a big well i have a 
potty mouth, so I truly enjoyed Jonah and his oh. tiny uncle. <laughs> that is the best duo uh, in television. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and his tiny uncle is that guy who's he's also been in everything, right? He's, he's great. Been, he was in Ally McBeal. He was in Ghostbusters too. Oh, I, I yeah. don't know the actor's name, but you but know I mean the the writers. I guess we I should obviously as genius as the actors are, the writers of that show are the true yeah. heroes to it, come up with those lines. Oh my god. That's why you said you've seen it three or four times. I'm going to go back and watch it a second time. I think I actually did start watching yeah, it for the second. Yeah, it's easy to. Because there are so many little, it, it's it's such a tour de force, the, the, as you say, the writing. Because someone will make like a, a short speech and then someone will have like a little one-liner that you barely hear and it's hilarious. Exactly. And then someone else shouts something and that's hilarious and it's like you, you forget what you're laughing at <laughs> like from three lines over and the characters are all so they're all deplorable almost all of them are completely deplorable um just when you think someone comes along that's noble like the guy i forget uh hugh laurie is that the guy who played dr house yes, yeah uh-huh. yeah you, he comes along you tom think, james tom james yep. in the show and you think he's noble it turns out he's a backstabber like exactly. the rest of them um, it's just so, and as much as I am, obviously my role in life is McClintock. I yes. look at Amy and I'm like, oh my God, oh. that's what I look like throughout the day. I, like just this on your phone, hunched up, like that yes. face that, that she yeah. even says, I can't look at that anymore. That's probably, that's what people are looking at when they see me. That's great. I mean, I don't know if it's great, but, <laughs> but may I say Anna Chomsky, oh my God, she's uh be still my heart. I have a huge crush on that actress. Oh, she's um, great. Yeah. Who, um, and not the version from the movie My Girl with Macaulay Culkin. I'm talking about the modern version. I'm not a perv, people. Um, but she she is so great. Uh, they're all so great. Dan, they are. Dan, they are Dan all is the biggest so great. douche in the world, and he's great. But Get, he's perfect at it. They yeah. are. They truly oh, yeah. are all of them. And the best line from it that stands out in my mind, maybe just because it's so relevant to today with Trump, is when after she spoiler if uh, yeah. when she loses the election or not even loses when it's a tie. Oh yeah. She Julia Louis Dreyfus says that Amer- America has ripped up the playbook and they're wiping its nasty ass with it. <laughs> that is the Trump presidency. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and like like the Handmaid's Tale, the the story was concocted way before Trump, right? Yeah, I forget when Veep started, but it was clearly before Trump won. Which then, is why I think their last season was so ridiculous because they realized all those scenarios they created were true, were really happening. So it was yeah. almost like they had to be absolutely obscene and and you know what I mean, like and, and absurd. Yes. Like like when when Jonah tells his voting public. Did you know that math was created by a Muslim, <laughs> right? Because he hates math, and math was created by a Muslim, and we all hate Muslims, and we all hate math, right, everybody? And and as a viewer, you say to yourself, "Oh my God, like that's so over the top, like that could never." Well, yeah. Oh my yeah. God, exactly. So true. So true. So show. the 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 bone I have to I have two bones to pick with. One is they use the the R word, and by that I mean they use the word I retard. Agree is, with you yeah, on that. Which I don't know. I don't know why they haven't caught up because yep. most other shows have most like Saturday Night Live. You'll never hear them use that derogative derogatively. That um, is, but, yeah. I'm glad you said that because yes. I I think I was I was watching it by myself, so I had no one to comment to about that. Yeah. I am, regardless of my job, I'm extremely politically incorrect. I I hate all this. Right, it goes. People are too sensitive. It's just too much. That word is not about being politically. That is a different kind of inappropriate that I completely agree with you. And I can tell you, I have a son with autism, which is which is different than what we used to call mentally retarded. But it to me, it's obvious. To me, it's like it's it's just as bad as using the N word because what you're Mm -hmm. doing is you're saying um, you're retarded, meaning you're stupid and so you are like people with 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 mental challenges who are stupid so you're you're putting it it, it's the most direct put down and i can tell you if you're like well no that's not what i meant by it it's like it it doesn't matter like like you know uh please walk into uh, a, a Dorchester Dunkin' Donuts and start screaming the N-word and then say, oh, it's not what I meant. You know, it, you're not going to do that. It, it's like a gut punch to special needs parents when they hear it used that way. Okay, so... It's mocking yeah. any type of disabled person. It, and it's it really just, is. Yeah, it's... I'm with you there. So that's, so that's one. Like it's that just word. And it's just a, a weird little, like, um, chink in the armor of Veep, and you'd think they'd be with it by now. 
But the other bone I have to pick with them is what it, so I'll ask you first. What it, the final episode and the way it ended. So a big spoiler here, Veep uh, series <laughs> finale. Did you like it? You can like it. I that's You're not I don't sure? know. Yeah, I'm still not <laughs> sure because I thought about it. You know what? It was extremely you know, I did. I feel like people didn't talk about it. It came out right around the same time the Game of Thrones finally came out, and that's all people were talking oh, about. Oh, so that's kind of but, what overshadowed it, well, yeah. Well, I think. But so what happens is, you know, she, the big thing is she sells out Gary, right? Yeah. She's, she, someone's going to go to prison for this malfeasance. I don't even remember what it was. But she basically says thank you to Gary with with kind of tears in her eyes, and she walks away. And you realize what she's done is <laughs> she's to told, jail. yeah, she's told, she's thrown him under the bus. She's told the feds that's the guy behind this whole scheme, and they take Gary away. And it just I epitomized mean, her selfishness. So that that the most selfish was thing was pretty could, on point. The one, <laughs> I know, but it it still hurt. Like it's the guy. It's the one guy. Who you'd think um, maybe she'd throw a bone to because all the guy's done for eight seasons or however many it was is follow her around like a little puppy dog tending to her every little need. Poor Gary. Yeah. I mean, poor Gary. And then they flash forward 30 years or whatever it is when Selena has died and Gary still hasn't apparently really made peace with the whole thing you know Gary's but it seemed like he didn't hold that much of a grudge against her either because didn't he have that moment like he had that moment yeah. like I don't know I just I honestly I thought she was going to end up as Veep again I thought it was going to come full yeah. circle and she was going to you know beg for whoever would Tom James say whoever won the presidency she was going to beg to be the Veep yep. and that's how it would end so I think it was I mean I think it was a little more deep then people probably realize because aside from that, how she sold out Gary, then remember mm-hmm. it kind of flashed to her in the Oval Office and she was truly alone. Yeah. So it was like that was the price she paid I guess for so. doing everything to become president. You're right. And that included, you know, stabbing her most loyal, you know, you're right. assistant and that, that's in the back. Ex- that's exactly what the, the writers had in mind, I'm sure. It's like yeah. she is going to commit the ultimate backstab right now. But here's how she pays for it. She's brutally alone. And I thought it was funny that one of her staffers is the the woman who she completely embarrassed and humiliated for yep. sleeping with her boss and then turned that around and turned it into, a, it parlayed that into a, a claim of sexual misconduct just to get her ahead and put down <laughs> yep. Tom James, her rival. Oh, my God. Just the backstabbing on and on and on. So... Um, but you know what it reminded me of? It, it it perhaps fittingly reminded me of the the finale of Seinfeld, where it where it, it, you oh, know yeah. usually thought of as disappointing because yes, all four characters were narcissistic, but it's like they pushed it too far. They like they 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 had that moment where Jerry and George and Kramer and and Elaine are ignoring a mugging going on right in front of them, and they're like, oh, that's too bad. That fat guy is getting robbed. It just seemed out of character, and the writers were kind of saying these people are so narcissistic; they'll do anything to the to the point where they're going to get locked up for being too narcissistic. And I was like, eh, "You forced it," and I thought this one kind of went a little too far, too. But yeah, I mean, it was extreme. It was extreme. Of yeah. But did you get the callback, the Tom Hanks thing? Yes, I did. You did. I did. So um, I did catch that. That was like the McClintock during his exactly. right. Yeah, when he he. Uh, he break the he stopped the coverage of her funeral for the breaking news that he died because it was what like seasons earlier they said it's not like Tom Hanks I didn't yeah oh, how could you say that yeah yeah it was season one so right in the <laughs> oh fin- it was the first season I'm pretty sure oh wow yeah it might have even been the first episode because it was the moment where Dan joins the team and has a little squabble with Mike McClintock. So if you're if you're not fans of the show, you've tuned out by now. But <laughs> yeah. in the final final moment, Mike McClintock, uh, you know Julia Louis Dreyfus's former um, chief communications person, the the Molly Tarpy of Veep, um, she <laughs> I he, love that he he, he, becomes, he is right, my representation. He, yeah, he becomes he he yeah the guy with the phony dog. You know he makes up stories about having a dog, <laughs> yeah. so he has an excuse to leave. Hey, I actually treasure. do have two dogs. They're, yeah. they're not lies. Right, Molly? <laughs> yeah. That's what you tell everybody. I got to go home and feed the dogs. But uh, he has become a TV news person, 
And in the wake of Selena Meyer's uh, death and funeral, he kind of breaks in to tell people, this is flash forward in the future. So don't worry, everyone. Tom Hanks is fine. But in the show that he announces that Tom Hanks dies, which overshadows the memory of Selena, who has just died. And it's a callback to a brilliant, brilliant callback to Mal, you just said it. But w- what happened was... Um, McClintock was trying to defend his haphazard press strategy for Selena. And Dan was like, well, what's going to happen tomorrow or something? And and Michael McClintock said, well, a lot of things could happen tomorrow. I mean, Tom Hanks could die. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, well, for example, if Tom Hanks dies, that becomes the lead story and not the story with Selena. And Dan says, I find it a little troubling that your entire press strategy is based on the notion <laughs> that Tom Hanks might die tomorrow. <laughs> And then Tom Hanks does die in the fight. So that was brilliant. That was but it was cool. like, because everyone loves Tom Hanks. So everyone was like, yes. wait, wait, Tom Hanks died? Like, Ameri- no, no, don't worry. He's America's grandfather or father or whatever. Maybe he's, uh... anyway, so we do have to run, Molly. I hope you had fun. Covered I a lot of ground. Last, yeah. I know. And I feel like we we covered so much ground, but then we still didn't I know. cover a lot of stuff that we were going we'll ha- to. If you, we'll have you come back. We'll make you the Boston Podcast political correspondent. Uh-huh. At hell. You're welcome anytime. Molly, the great Molly Tarpey, thanks for being here. Thank and, you so um, much. And if people want to find you, should they like link in with you, uh, tweet at you, uh, or do oh, they want they you to could, leave you alone? Um, oh, no. Well, I mean, I know as much as, as antisocial as I can be, I guess I should probably do my Twitter. Sure. I guess how I hate it. I hate Twitter, but follow but follow me she on hates Twitter. it but definitely follow her <laughs> yeah. what's your twitter handle it's just my name molly rose tarpy molly rose tarpy awesome and uh thanks for listening to the boston podcast if you like this podcast please share it with a friend or a colleague or an enemy or a political rival or someone you can't stand anyone here in the commonwealth of massachusetts or elsewhere please uh keep listening to the boston podcast produced by pod617.com come visit it, us at our Westwood studios and get your own podcast. Go to the website and find out how. On behalf of Molly Rose Tarpy, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston, but if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. 